Bridge City Church, what's good this morning? Come on. I plead the blood over your life this morning. How, how many of you are thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? I, lo I love how Tyler said it so, so aptly. There is nothing you could do, have done, or even are in the midst of currently doing that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse and, and eradicate in your life. There's nothing that's been done to you or might be done to you or might be happening to you right now that the blood of Jesus isn't powerful enough to stand against. I plead the blood. The enemy has no claim in this war. Aren't you happy this morning? Amen. Well, so good to be with you all this morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Pastor John. I'm the campus pastor here at Bridge City Church, North Braddock, and we just want to welcome you to, to part five of our transformation series where we have been diving in to not just what it looks like to be transformed, what, 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 is, what is necessary to be transformed, but really why it's necessary to be transformed. And before I get into that, I just want to take a few moments here at the beginning. One of the things that we usually like to do every so often is, is we like to recognize people who have taken their next steps and, and, and decided to become members of Bridge City Church. And so right now, there's a couple of people I'd like to recognize, and I know I saw uh, Terry Callie. There she is. Hey, Terry, why don't you stand up so everyone can say hi to you? She's, she's probably like, I don't want to stand up. But uh, Terry completed the Next Steps process, which is a process that we uh, normally do the first and second Sundays of every month right after the, the worship experience, right after the church service. Now, we won't be having that today for a specific reason, and you'll find out about that here in a minute, but Terry completed step three, and she uh, became a member of Bridge City Church, and one of the areas that she's uh, getting involved in serving-wise here is at the food bank, and um, I, I forget which connection group she's gonna be in, but here's the cool thing. I really don't even know yet because today, that's why we're not having Next Steps, today is our connection group kickoff where everyone's going to get to sign up for their connection groups right after the worship experience today. And so, Terry, we're just glad. Terry, Terry's been around, I think we met a little, about a year and a half, two years ago. She actually came for a connection group that was somebody else's connection group, and it was on Thursday, she came on Wednesday, and she happened to come into the group that my wife, Christine, and I, we were leading, and she, she hung out there for a little bit, but she also was in Annie's connection group. That's the group she was aiming for, and so we're just so excited for you to be a member and be a part of Bridge City Church in that way. And then another uh, 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 one that I'm very excited about is my man, Novian Robinson, right over here. Novian, why don't you stand up? Novian has been serving with our ushers and uh, like our security team and different things like that. Um, and just really, in all honesty, if you see Novian, like this is probably the first time I've seen him today that he wasn't like doing something, helping someone, serving in some way, shape, or form. And so uh, Novian is, is, is in that usher team and just does a bunch of whatever, whatever he's asked, he does it. It's, it's an amazing, amazing thing. And, and again, Novian, I think, I think you're going to be in me and Eric's group. Is it, or... Come on, yeah, baby. So he'll be in the connection group that, that uh, me and Eric Stinnett 
our worship leader uh, are going to be leading, and so excited to have uh, Novian on board as well. And so uh, if, if you'd like more information about how you can become a part of Bridge City Church through membership, you can either talk to somebody at the connection point, or you can talk to somebody on our Next Steps team, or you can just come on the typical first and second Sundays of every month and jump right in, because Next Steps is a process that helps us not only find out more about the church, but really it's about finding out how God has wired us and gifted us and wants to use us, not just in the church, but also in the world around us. That, that's something that gets lost a lot of times in translations. We think, we think God only gifts people to be used in the church, but, but how many of you know that, that, that the majority of giftings are to function outside of here? Because here's the reason. God wants to get the people that are on the outside and bring them on the inside. He, he wants a big family, amen? And so, we're excited uh, to, to have our next steps process. Well, uh, if you have your Bible, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to invite I'm gonna ask you to invite me. Hey, this is starting off well this morning, Pastor. All right, I'm gonna invite you to turn with me to the Book of Proverbs, chapter 27. Uh, we're gonna look at uh, some scripture, and you're also gonna put your finger in Ephesians chapter four. But this morning, we're 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 gonna continue talking about. Not just transformation, but the last couple of weeks we've been really focusing on these strongholds, right? These, these, these mindsets and value systems and thought processes that hinder our growth in God, right? Sometimes you might have heard somebody call it stinking thinking. All of us, all of us have mindsets, all of us have value systems, and some of us have thought processes, because I see some of the decisions that people make. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But we all have these ideas, and, and last week we learned that they, they usually are formed from past experiences, right? Like how we grew up, where we grew up, who our parents were, all of these different things. Um, or, and traumatic experience, negative things that happened to us. And these form these mindsets, and what happens is these mindsets, if we're not careful, they begin to set themselves up against our knowledge of God and, and our ability to experience his goodness in our life. And so we've been looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, where it talks about how we have divine weapons, uh, weapons mighty in God to tear these strongholds down in our lives. And so today we're going to be looking at one of the most powerful ways that God instituted and uses to tear down strongholds in our lives. And, and today we're going to be looking at relationships. That's right, relationships. The people that we are in relation to, that we interact with, God wants to use these relationships to shape us and sharpen us so that we can fully experience him and live for his maximum glory. And so Proverbs 27 verse 17 says this. You've probably heard this if you've been around church at all. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. How many of you have heard that scripture before? As iron sharpens iron. There was a couple of years ago, that was the, um, the key verse for our men's conference. Actually, I have a little banner in my office from that men's conference that says, as iron sharpens iron. But one of the things that we have to remember about this proverb is that it's communicating a truth using metaphorical language, right? And so the metaphor here is how iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. And I don't know if you ever thought about this, but, but the image here is like, have you ever seen those guys on like the cooking show or something, and they've got like that long stick thing in one hand, and then they got the butcher knife in the other hand? 
Both of those are metal or some form of, you know, uh, uh, iron, if you will. And so they take the knife and they run it real, it's like, makes that sound, right? You know what I'm talking about? See, that's iron sharpening iron. And so we hear a verse like, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. But we forget that it's pointing to not just the fact that, oh, friends are going to sharpen me, but it also reminds us of how that sharpening happens. Because how many of you know the reason why that stick thing is able to sharpen the blade is because it's rough and abrasive. Yeah. And a lot of times in our lives, when going gets hard in a relationship, or, or we, we only want to be around people that tell us the things we want to hear or like to hear, we don't want to have any abrasive people around us. And not that we want to be masochistically giving ourselves over to relationships with just abrasive jerks in our life, but it's good to have people that are willing to be abrasive in our lives because the way that a, that a blade is sharpened is that every time that blade passes over that rough abrasive surface, parts of the blade are being removed so that the edge can be sharpened. See, and we need to have people in our lives that love us enough to, 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 to be abrasive with us to challenge us. See, and sometimes if you get that thing going too quick, there'll be some sparks. But we want to have relationships. The kind of relationships that truly sharpen us are the ones where, where it's not that we don't always see eye to eye, but more so we have people that may have to tell us some abrasive truth. Girl, he don't deserve you. But I love him so much. Yo, my man. Homegirls just, see, we need to have people that are willing to tell us the truth in life. And the image that I always like to use is, uh, I, I remember back in the day, I think they still do it, but um, American Idol, they would have the tryouts, right? They would let you know American Idol tryouts are coming to your city. And so everyone would go and line up and they'd stand outside for hours and they're all excited and, and they would have the camera people out there, you know, seeing everyone in line and they're there with their friends and everyone's like, woo, I'm gonna be on American Idol, right? And then they go in to try out Mm-hmm. Most of them ain't good. And, and my favorites, because I like, I'm a, I'm a funny guy. I like, I like the blooper reels. How many of you wait till the end of the movie and watch the blooper reels? Come on. See, see, an American Idol, they love the blooper reels too. So they always put the people out there like, I'm going to sing Whitney Houston's song. And like for, unless your name is Whitney Houston, you shouldn't try to sing a Whitney Houston song. I'm just, I'm just, you know, just letting you know, just don't, don't do it. And they get up in there and it's, it's like someone strangling a cat. You know, it's just like, ah. see now, one of, one of my beefs with the church sometimes is because in the church, we all got to be nice. So someone could come up in the church and sing like that and we'll just say, oh, it just blessed my heart. We need, we look, we need to have the kind of people in our life that'll be like, mm, it blessed my heart, but it was a little rough. But see, these people, they go, and, and I wonder when they're up there singing, because I saw, I saw their friends in line with them. I know they got friends. I know they didn't go to American Idol without trying it out on some of their friends, but they did, and their friends didn't love them enough to say, baby, don't do it. Just don't end up in the blooper reels. We need these kind of relationships because, you know what, none of us wants to hear that the dream that we have or the thing that we think we're good at, we're not that good at, but it's better to find out 
from a friend before you put yourself out there than you put yourself out there to people who aren't your friends. That's why the Bible says wounds from a friend can be trusted. Because sometimes we need to have the people that love us the most say, you got a little something in your teeth. Your breath's a little foul. And see, we need to have these kind of relationships because guess what? Like, like how, how, many of you, how many of you have ever been out to eat? I, I, was, I was out having breakfast with a friend of mine. He has a big, wonderful beard. Like, I, I could never grow a beard. Like, I could never grow a beard, period, but definitely not one in, as big and as wonderful as this. And we're, we're eating, and he, he got dippy eggs. You guys know what dippy eggs are, right? Over easy, sunny side up. So he's going in with the toast. And I mean, he had, he had dippy egg. See, and we were cool. See, personally, I thought he should feel it because there was a lot. But he didn't. And he gets up to go and pay and then goes to the bathroom and he comes back and he says, why the bleep didn't you tell me I had dippy egg in my beard? See, we need to have friends who love us enough to tell us we got dippy egg in our beard. Amen. And so today we're going to look at not just what a good healthy relationship is, but how, how they're supposed to operate in our lives. Because like I said, a lot of times when we start feeling the, the abrasiveness of the iron, we want to run away. I can't believe they said that to me, or I can't believe they did this, or I can't. And, and so, but we have to understand, sometimes it is good to go away, but, but sometimes we're actually running away from the thing that God designed to transform us more to his image. Because remember, our big idea for this whole series is this. Transformation is a process of becoming more like Jesus. The process, becoming more like Jesus. Through relationships, through the renewing of our minds, and, and, and hopefully today, some of us, some of us need to have our, our minds renewed on what relationships really are, or what healthy relationships really are. We gotta let the word of God tell us what is and isn't a healthy relationship. And so we're gonna look at that. But also, again, through the revealing of God's truth. That's where we, get the ideas that we're going to talk about here today. And so if, if you have your Bible, we'll turn, have you turn over there to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 11 through 16. Again, this might be a familiar passage if you've been in the church for a while, but you might hear some things today because you're like, wait a second, what does this have to do with relationships? It has everything to do with relationships. Because how many of you know that to be a Christian is to be brought into relationship, right? First and foremost, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. It's me and Jesus. But a lot of people, because we don't like having uh, the abrasiveness of, of other relationships in our lives, we will fall under the lie of the enemy that thinks that it, it can just be me and Jesus. It, you, it can't. Because as we're gonna see here in a minute, one of, the, one of the ways that God refers to his people, his family, the church, right, is he calls it his body. And none of your body parts can exist apart from the rest of the body, right? And so we need to see this in our lives. And so, so, so Christianity starts with a relationship with Jesus. And by relationship, I don't mean he's your homeboy, your best bud. He does call us friend, 
but it doesn't change his rank and order in the cosmos. He is the king of the universe. And so I'm going to talk to my homeboys differently than I talk to the king of the universe, even if the king of the universe says I'm his friend. And so we come into that relationship, but then he places us in his body with other parts, other people. And so Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to start reading it verse 11, and we'll just kind of meander our way through this text here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, right? So the church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. Jesus gives these gifts. Cadillac, new house, full bank account. Oh, oh no, that's not in there. Hmm. Oh, the apostles. What's that? The prophets, the evangelists. Wait a second. These are people. He gave these people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, as gifts to the church. And so the first thing we see right here is that God gives the church people as gifts. He gives you and I, who are a part of the church, or maybe if you're not a part of the church, and I don't mean that you've gone through next steps, but I mean that you've received Jesus as the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future. That, that if you're in his body, he gives people, specific certain kind of people, as gifts to you. Now, everybody is a gift, but there's these specific gifts, these Sometimes you've heard it called the five-fold ministry, but these gifts are leadership roles in our lives. Leadership roles in our lives. And they're given to help promote the development and growth of the body of Christ through our personal transformation. So how does Jesus' body get bigger and stronger? By you and I getting bigger and stronger. How do you and I get bigger and stronger? Well, one of the first things is we, we're placed into a body where there are leadership gifts given to help us to become bigger and stronger. Now, I know that this is a tricky one because if, if there are people in this room that if I had to guess, there are people in this room that have been hurt by leadership, whether it's in the church or anywhere else. And so I don't deny that reality. That happens. But here's what you have to understand. The reason why that happens isn't because Jesus is bad or because you're bad. It's because the devil is bad. And if the devil can manipulate your mindset as to how you view leadership, especially in the church, he knows that he can hinder your ability to grow and be transformed. Actually, he even does this outside of the church. He causes us to be brought under inferior or, or substandard leadership. And, and, and sometimes that happens in, in our family, right? We don't have the best mom or dad. So now we question all other authority and leadership in our lives. Leadership that's there to help us. Leadership that's there to see the best for us. And so God gives these gifts. He gives these people as gifts so that we can grow but see, if we don't understand that sometimes leaders who are people too, they fail. If we don't remember that, we will not only distance ourselves from the transformational relationships that we need to look the most like Jesus, 
but we'll actually start justifying our rebellion against authority and justifying our isolation from deep, good relationships. Because whether it's a leader or not, there will be people in your life that hurt you. And that's, that's one of the, the, the tricky parts about relationships. We, we had our uh, men's and women's nights uh, this past Tuesday. The ladies got together. I wasn't there, of course. But I did get the opportunity to be uh, with the men. And uh, Brother Devon uh, mentioned something in the discussion about how um, it, it's, it's, it's easy, it seems like it's easier in the world sometimes to get someone to jump on board with you than it is in the church. And the illustration that he used, it's like, it's like we, we, we both have shields up to protect ourselves, right? Because we know that intimacy means into me see, but because we've allowed people to see into us who have hurt us, we put the shield up, we make the shield bigger, and now we walk around in life with a shield waiting for somebody to not only hurt us, but here's the thing, being upset because we can't connect. And see, at some point in time, here's the reality. Somebody has to put their shield down first. Somebody has to say, not even that I trust the other person, but I trust the blood of Jesus over my life that keeps me safe, that I can drop this shield. And even if this person hurts me, even if this person tears me up, I'll be protected and vengeance doesn't have to be mine. It can be the Lord's. But we have to get to a place in our lives where the pain of being isolated is overridden by the pain of not having relationship. I need people in my life. And so God places us in a body and he gives us people as leaders and then people around us to help us to grow and to develop. And so in verse 12 of Ephesians 4, it says, their responsibility, whose responsibility? The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So their job is to create an environment where God's people can be equipped to do his work. It's one of my favorite verses of scripture when people think I ought to be doing something because they don't know what I do. See, it's not my job primarily to go out and preach the gospel and win the lost. It's our job. My primary role is to equip other people to do that. Now that means that I, must be, I should be able to do it and I should be doing it myself. But these leaders, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And so leaders, we have a responsibility to create an environment for opportunities so that people can be equipped and build up. And that's why, that's why Connection Group Kickoff is such a big deal today. There's no reason, and I want you to hear my heart, because you could meet with me a couple of hours every day for several weeks and never find the transformation and hope and help that you can find by simply joining a group. We create environments so that people can grow in this way. That's why on February 25th from 5 to 8 p.m. we're going to be having our growth track. We do this about three times a year. And this is a, an opportunity. It's more of a teaching setting. There's, there's 
201 and 301 and 401, like college classes. But this is an amazing opportunity to, to connect and grow with people that are even more. And, and I love it because it's five through eight. So we have food, we get to hang out, you get to meet new people. But, but see, we want to create as many environments as we can where people can grow and be developed because it's about relationships. It's about having people in your life. And I love that word there in verse 12 for equip. It's a very unique word actually in the Greek, which is what the New Testament's written in. It only appears one time. And, and the word there for equip, it literally means to mend a net or to set a bone. Now, because most of you have no idea what mend a net means, including me, I want to use this illustration of what does it mean for, for people to be equipped? Well, well, I got a picture here. This, this reminds me of several times in my life. I have in my life broken my right thumb twice, my right pinky twice, my right ring finger twice, my right shoulder twice. So I know a little bit about casts. And as you can see there, now if I had to guess, I don't know what the, the issue is there, but that cast looks a lot like the cast I had when I broke my thumb one of the times. And so the break was here, but you'll notice that the cast isn't just here. The cast goes up onto the thumb and over onto the hand and down onto the arm. Why? Because it takes a bigger support system around the break to see it get mended. And that's why it's not enough to just do church on a Sunday a week or a Sunday a month or pop in here or there. We need to be surrounded with people in our lives so that we can be mended, so that we can be equipped, so that we can be made whole. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And God puts us in the body so that we can be mended and be made whole because remember, the goal is about building up the body of Christ. It's about developing his body. Going on in verse 13, it says, this will continue. What will continue? God putting people in his body and getting them equipped and built up. That will continue until we all come to such unity. And I love this because you know what? It shows the process. You know why it continues? Because it's a process. The goal isn't to arrive tomorrow. The goal is to be better than you were today, tomorrow. I still remember working in the mental health field, and my, my mother was a therapist. I, I worked in the clerical department, and so um, my mother loved telling her clients that I was her son, um, and they loved to come and mess with me about that. I don't know why. And um, my mom would, would deal with chronic patients. These, these were people who had either very severe uh, mental illnesses um, or had suffered severe, severe trauma, that, that in all honesty, if you could just get them to not cuss a person out for looking at them wrong after a year of therapy, then man, you, that's a win. And see, sometimes we have to see our lives like that. So, some of us, if not all of us, we all have got some chronic things in our life, and we can't look at other people and say, oh, look how far they are, or look how far I'm not. We just have to celebrate where we are and keep taking one more step in the process. And if I can be honest, that's why God puts us in a body. 
so that there are people around us that know us because they might not know how hard you've worked to get to where you are, but the people in your connection group, they do, and they're gonna cheer you on and support you and celebrate you because they know how hard it was for you to get that far in the process because they remember how hard it was for them to get that far in the process. And so this will continue, this building up, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God so that we will be mature. Say mature. We have a maturity crisis in our country. On both sides of the spectrum. There was a day and age where the idea of teenager or adolescent, right, didn't exist. And in most cultures today, it still doesn't. There's child and then there's adulthood, right? You hit like a... Like 12 or 13, you go from child to adulthood. There's no teen years, there's no buffer. And so in, in, in American culture, that began to develop and, and it's been helpful to help people process through certain things. But, but the reality of it is, because we struggle in this culture with a maturity issue, because I think we struggle with a, with a connecting to healthy relationships and intimacy issue, now that period of adolescence that started, it was probably around like, like, like 12 to 14, right? There's a little window where you're, where you're growing and things are changing and stuff's smelling that didn't smell before. Yeah, be nice enough to tell your teens that they need a little something in here. Just saying. Like, it smells like an Italian hoagie. Do something. <laughs> I have a 12-year-old daughter. Woo! <laughs> but now today, this age of adolescence has expanded, right? Because that age of adolescence, you didn't get the benefit of being a child who doesn't know any better, but you also didn't have to bear the responsibility of adulthood yet, right? So in that like 12 to 14 or 15 zone, because like when you were old enough, I remember I got my first job like three days after I turned 16. And my mom came to me and she said, look, here's the deal. I will purchase you five outfits for school and a pair of shoes at the beginning of school. The rest is on you. And I actually had it better than a lot of my friends. But now this period of adolescence, this period of maturity, it goes as far down to six, not because the, just the expectation. Like I grew up, I have friends, because I grew up here, I had friends who when they were like 10, they were responsible for their three younger siblings playing outside. But it's more so... Six-year-olds are getting exposed to things that only adult eyes should see. But then you go to the other end now, it's not 15 or 16, okay, young man or young woman, it's time to take responsibility. It's 26, 27, 28, 32. See, and God wants to bring us to maturity. God wants to bring us to this place where we take ownership. Why? Because maturity is when you can be responsible for someone else other than yourself. And God wants to bring us to that place. Why? Because how many of you are glad that somebody else took care of you at certain times in your life? So God wants so that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Jesus. You know, there's uh, the movie Frozen. The first one. How many of you remember Frozen? I just, I looked it up yesterday because I had to look up the lyrics to this song because I remember it. Frozen is 11 years old, fam. Yeah. Yeah. 
Here's another thing that'll mess with you. We're as close to 2030 today as we are to 2018. Yeah, yeah, but Frozen, wonderful songs. One of my favorite songs is the, the Fixer Upper song. Now, you gotta understand, I knew the words to all the songs and the dialogue before I ever saw it because we had one of those devices in our van where my daughter could watch it. So I remember the first time I saw it on TV and I'm like, that's what Kristoff looks like. Wow, this is, woo, Olaf's a snowman? <laughs> now the melting song makes sense to me. But in this, this song about Fixer Upper, there's, there's something, and I think it, it shows the, the value and importance of relationships because it says this, Everyone's a fixer-upper. That's what it's all about. Father, sister, brother, we need each other to raise us up and round us out. We need each other in our lives. We need each other to come and help to pick us up and do the heavy lifting and, and round us out like sanding paper to smooth out the rough edges. We need to have people in our lives that love us enough to help us transform into everything God intended us to be, even if it takes a little bit of friction and sparks to get us there. Ephesians 4, 14 and 16, and I'll have Caden start making his way up here. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. Again, the maturity issue keeps coming up. God wants mature children. He wants people that can help other people. We always say, oh, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah, we are. And we got to start acting like it. And maturity is what we need. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. In other words, the devil. Verse 15, instead, we will speak the truth and love. I like how other translations say it because it carries a deeper connotation. It said, instead, speaking the truth and love. Why? Because speaking the truth and love is the oil that makes the engine of relationships go. Instead, speaking the truth and love, we will grow. That's what it should say. Not, we will speak the truth and love growing, but speaking the truth and love, we will grow. See, many of us don't grow because we surround ourselves with people that only tell us the things we like to hear. But speaking in the truth and love, we will grow in every way more and more like Jesus, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. See, that's why I love next steps. That's why I love announcing new members because it's not just, hey, I have a membership at a church. It's I have a responsibility to a group of people and a role to play that if I don't play it, that role won't happen. There are things that only you can do. Things that you are divinely designed to do and until you connect, not just will you miss out on your purpose, but the world will miss out on what you have to bring to it. so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so as we wind down here, I just, I want to talk about that speaking the truth in love. Because this is, like I said, one of the primary ways that relationships bring transformation in our lives. See, 
confrontation is one of the most difficult things for people to deal with. Anybody in the room like confrontation? I'm raising my hand because I do, sometimes a little too much. But I like it because I see the evidence of it. I see the fruit that it produces. But most people don't. So, so if you don't, you're, you're in the majority. And so whether we're receiving confrontation, which I like less than giving it, but whether we're receiving confrontation or having to give confrontation, most of us want to avoid it at all costs. But we need healthy, godly confrontation in order to grow and be transformed. We need it. One of my favorite things to do is to sit down with Pastor Rick and him tell me what I need to fix. Because I've trusted, I've entrusted myself to him in that way. And I love it because he, I think he likes it too because he's naturally confrontational and he knows he doesn't have to sweeten it up at any point. You don't got to put any sugar on it because I just, just tell me what's wrong. I grew up playing football. Just grab me by the face mask. Tell me what I'm messing up and it won't happen again because I want to be better. But we need to have this in our lives. We have to have this in our lives. But see, on the other hand, we have a lot of people, and usually you see these people online. That's one of the many reasons why online activity is a poison. Because we got people that like to share their truth. But they don't like to hear it. You ever meet anybody like that? Totally fine telling you what's wrong with you, but don't you dare say a thing about them. That's not healthy. That's not being equally yoked. And so the question that I have today is this. Are your ears and your heart as open to receive truth as your mouth is open to give it? Are you ready to receive truth that can help you grow? I remember when I was playing junior college football and they did the testing. And my legs ain't never been bigger than this, but they've always been strong. Well, at least they used to be. And I could squat with the defensive linemen on the football team because I just had lower body strength. And so I remember we're doing the testing and I'm doing the squats and I'm not gonna try it now because I don't even know if I can squat my own body weight at this point. But I'm, I'm going down, but I'm not going down far enough. I was doing it wrong. And I remember, because it was actually the D-line coach who was measuring how many times you could squat 225 pounds. And he was, he was only counting about a third of them. And initially I got frustrated because I put a lot of hard work. I wanted to come and show out on the squat machine because I definitely wasn't going to show out on the bench press, okay? And afterward I said, why didn't you count all of them? I thought I did like 40. I, he counted like 11. And he's like, because you weren't going down, your form was wrong. Because your rear end needs to get, your legs need to get parallel with the floor for it to be a full squat. Now I could have done a couple of different things. I could have been like, forget that coach, forget you. I know I'm right, I know how to squat. You can't tell me nothing, but there's a problem. He only has the opinion that matters. Or I could do what I decided to do. 
take his truth. And it wasn't in that much love, but it's football. And I went back and I retrained myself how to squat. You know what I did? I came back next year testing. He stopped counting at 40 because I was crushing it the right way. Why? Because I'd received truth and allowed it to transform me and make me better at what not just I was called to do, but I was aspiring to do. What in your life are you trying to aspire to do? Some truth would help you get there. Warren Wearsby says it like this, truth without love is brutality and love without truth is hypocrisy. Saying things out of love that withholds truth causes us to lose credibility as well. Pastor Rick shared a story about a conference he was at decades ago with his predecessor, Pastor John Diana. And they were there and they served, it was a pastor's gathering and they served sloppy joes. I said, that's your first mistake. And he said, they're horrible, bad. And one of the pastors that was kind of overseeing the meeting, he got up and before he spoke, he said, I just want to thank the ladies. Man, those sloppy joes were so good. They were just so amazing. Oh, thank you so much. And he said, you could see everybody in the room like. This is what he said. He said his predecessor, Pastor John Diana, leaned over to him and he said, that man is a liar. Don't listen to anything else he says. But he's just trying to be nice. But it wasn't truthful. Truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. God wants us to have both in our lives. And see, that's why we get ready to, to shift here, to sign up for connection groups. And I'm so excited about these group leaders. It's because as a connection group leader, I, I'm, I'm leading one. Me and Aaron. I don't just get to speak truth about what's wrong, but I actually get to speak truth about what's right. I can honestly say before I became a part of Jesus' church, I didn't have anybody in my life that told me what was right. No encouragement. No great job. And maybe you're here today and you'd like to have some people, because here's the thing, let's be honest, I can look in a mirror and know what's wrong with me. But maybe you came here today hoping and searching for a place, a group of people that you can sit down eyeball to eyeball with who will look you in the eye and say things about you that make you feel like you're worth it, that make you feel like you can do something. Maybe, just maybe, you might see something in you that you never thought was there. And then because you're in a group of people that speak the truth and love, they can help pull that thing out. And before you know it, man, you're walking on cloud nine because somebody spoke life into you. That's what connection groups do. That's what the body of Christ is for. And that's why if you're a connection group leader, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet right now. Just stand. If you're a connection, you're leading a connection group this semester. We've got Tyler Kemper, one of our students leaders, currently our Bridge City students. That's our youth ministry. They, they're meeting at our White Oak campus, but we're preparing to transition over here as, as we get some more student leaders and get some 
more students to participate. Eric Stinnett, he and I are gonna be leading a group for men going through the book, The Intentional Father. And I can't wait to see the transformation that it's gonna bring in men's lives. Lindsay S. Carsega, and you're teaming up with Amber Russell, that I knew was, yeah. They're gonna be leading a group for ladies. Kristen Taylor, she's leading a group for ladies, but it doesn't happen in the evening, it actually happens at 9.30 a.m. So if your evenings are booked, there you go. Amazing connection group leader. Carl Steinmetz and Kristen's husband, Jeff, who didn't stand up, but I'm gonna call him out anyway. They're leading possibly the most transformative and powerful of the groups, and that's saying a lot. Financial Peace University. You wanna get your finances in order? Stop living check to check, stop living in debt? Then you need to get signed up for that. There's a cost to it, but it's an investment. There's an investment. Got Linda Linsenbickler, she's leading group for the first time this year. She actually has a group that meets during the day as well. And like I said, we're one of four campuses. Maybe there's not one that, that happens here at this location that works for you. Well, you can go on our website, bridgecitypgh.com, click on the Connect tab, go to the Connect, and you can see all of them, Brighton Heights, uh, Murraysville, White Oak. Find a group that works for you. But if you're sitting here today and you say, man, I, I wanna be right here, I wanna get with one of these people. Well, there's a little card on your seat and you can start filling this out and then take it to that person because here in a minute, I'm gonna pray over them and release them to go out into the hallway to stand in front of their poster that describes their group. And you can ask them, hey, what's your group about? Hey, what's it? You can just talk to them. They're people, they're great people. And you can either sign up on a clipboard that'll be there or you can just say, I can't wait to be in your group. But whatever it is, you can start filling this out or you can go out there now. I'm gonna pray for these guys and gals and release them. And then Tyler and Avery are gonna come up and give you a few more things, some steps to take. So Father, I thank you this morning for each and every one of these leaders, each and every one of these people who fulfill a pastoral role here in our church. Thank you for these people, these gifts to your body to help us grow and mature to help us to be transformed into your image and likeness. God, I pray for each and every man and woman leading a group here and at all of our four locations that Lord, you would bless them, that you would give them strength, that you would give them a supernatural endowment of power to carry the weight of caring for people. Because it's never burdensome, but it takes a lot and it's a great sacrifice. And so I thank you for them and I just bless them now.